Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. today's episode Amy and I speak to Bonnie and Mitch. Uh, They talk us through the fertility treatment that they underwent to have a daughter and a son. Um, Bonnie talks to us about going through diagnosis for endo and then adeno um, as well as their miscarriages and also what it was like to have sort of unexplained fertility for a long while and finding out once they'd sort of changed doctors really far into their journey that um, she actually had endo and adeno um, and just what that was like and really having to advocate for themselves in a lot of situations. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to Bonnie and Mitch. I've known Bonnie since I was about 15 um, and had been going to her to have my hair done for years before we went through our own IVF treatment and during that time when we were doing treatment she was really somebody that I could go to with anything to sort of talk about um, things that I couldn't talk to anyone else about and really have that sort of those conversations and those comments that if you said to someone that hasn't done fertility treatment and isn't Um, in that situation that they would just think that you're a terrible person or that you're crazy or all of those things so um, I'm really excited for you to hear their story because they are just such a strong couple and they they also talk to us about how treatment affected their relationship and how they sort of made sure that they still had a really strong connection and then um, yeah just full of good good advice and good chats today so I hope you really enjoy this episode. Uh, today we're joined by Bonnie and Mitch. How are you guys today? Good. Good, thank you. Good. Uh, do you want to just tell us a bit about yourselves and your family? Yeah. Um, we've been married since 2009. Uh, we have a daughter who has just turned four. Um, Number two on the way. Yeah, number two on the way. And did you want to start us off with your fertility story and yeah, the treatments sure. you've had? So um, after getting married in 2009, we pretty much waited a wee while before we started trying. So we kind of started trying in 2011. Possibly my fault. <laughs> a little bit. That's okay. Um, and when we started trying, we were just doing like um, the BBT tracking and we did actually use a maybe baby ovulation kit. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but um, it's like the saliva one. Oh. Oh, yeah. I think I saw that in Chemist Warehouse last week. Do not waste your money ever. Decipher <laughs> <laughs> because you have to do like look a little microscope and decipher whether it's the right shape and it's just bizarre. So after like no luck for quite some time, um, I visited DP on my own, um, who wasn't very helpful whatsoever. Um, she actually said to me, oh, yes, well, girls your size do find it hard to have babies, which at the time I was actually 20 years lighter than I am now. So 
ultimately got in the car and cried and she didn't offer us any other suggestions or any other options to try or anything. It was basically just like a, oh, well, that's it for you kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, we've actually talked about how we wish we could go back and kind of just yell at her about our journey and, you know, how our journey could have started a lot sooner had she been more helpful. Mm-hmm. But um, probably not long after that, we heard an ad for a fertility clinic here in Brisbane and we made a phone appointment with a nurse and um, we were candidates for that particular clinic. So they hooked us up with um, a fertility specialist there. And, yeah, from late 2012 onwards, we were on our fertility journey. I remember thinking when you made that appointment too that it seemed like premature to me even then because yeah. I, I just I had no concept of you know, when you should really seek, seek help fertility, how long it was normal to try for that. Had we we tried for twelve months, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Things, which is kind of like the guide, the standard. Yeah. Procedure. And I think they say, is it like from thirty, just don't even bother waiting a year? It's like you just go anyway. Um, yeah, I think because your egg quality declines significantly once you hit thirty, or that's what I've read anyway. So. Yeah. Time is yeah. yeah, I think that's important yeah. for people to notice. I think some people do feel nervous like seeking help if they haven't been trying for long or if they're a certain age I just would suggest going anyway to be honest mm-hmm. the more you yeah. know oh, the- and even if there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with going and being told there's nothing wrong go home and keep trying yeah, you know I totally agree with that um when we met with our fertility specialist he suggested that we start with IUIs which we were both really comfortable with I guess a because it wasn't as invasive and it was cheaper mm. Um, quicker as well yeah yeah more back to back kind of yeah so um Mitch did standard testing and it came back all perfect so that was a real relief that you know you had good swimmers and mm. and everything yeah. um so yeah we just started with IUI and I was on um gonal F and Ovidrel um mm-hmm. I remember being really hopeful with my first IUI that it would work because I think you just are for the first time. But unfortunately, yeah, it was unsuccessful. And um, I remember being bummed but excited to try again because at least we're sort of moving towards something. Yeah. But at this, at this stage, there's still really been sort of no discussion about what was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think you used the character term, unexplained infertility. Yeah. But it just didn't seem to be a priority diagnosing the problem. It was just, well, it doesn't matter what the problem is. We just move directly onto the treatment. Let's start with IUI and go from there. Um, Which, looking back now, does seem really ridiculous. Yeah. There were a few little mentions of possible things, like uh, polycystic ovaries or possibly endometriosis. I think may have come up once, but there was no investigation or, yeah. At that stage, yeah. 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 We just kept, kept trying. And um, so we did the same protocol the next time. He just stuck with that because he was happy with the follicle growth and everything. And um, it was successful, our second IUI, which was incredibly exciting, of course, because we sort of thought, oh, well, that's it. That was that easy. Um, But unfortunately, um, we miscarried that baby. And um, I don't remember how long we actually had to wait because obviously this is quite some time ago now. But, um, yeah, we did another cycle after that. Um, that was unsuccessful and then 
I think he suggested that after three we should go to IVF, but we mm. said, no, no, it's worked. Let's try it again. And the fourth IUI was successful, but then again, sadly, we miscarried. So um, at that stage, he said, look, we've got to look into this further. And um, we did a saline histogram. I'm glad you said that. I never pronounced that. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think everyone reacts to completely differently, unfortunately for me. Um, and I don't want to scare anyone, but yeah, it was very, very painful um, afterwards. So yeah, they're not the most fun thing for me to have done. Unfortunately, I've had a couple of those in my time. But um, uh, yeah, so he was checking for polycystic ovaries and blocked tubes. This was a different specialist, I should add. So the tubes were good. But the specialist who did the saline histogram suggested that I had mild polycystic ovary. I, to this day, remember him saying to us, like, yeah, we'll put you on Clomid. You'll be pregnant by Christmas. And we were just elated. We were just like, oh, it's going to happen. Like, this guy knows what's up kind of thing. What, what year would that have been? 2014? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And then we went back with, to our fertility specialist with those results and he did not agree whatsoever with the other specialist. And so he said, I'm the fertility specialist. Let's move on to IVF. That's what's going to get you where you need to be. And at this stage, I guess we had no reason to go against someone. We, like, we really liked this fertility specialist. He was lovely. Very experienced. One of the head, head guys at that. Yeah, that clinic. Yeah, very, very experienced. And so, yeah, we wholly trusted him, moved on to IVF, but we still, now that we look back, we go, we didn't really have any answers and that was really frustrating for us. Um, so, yeah, we ended up doing four full cycles of IVF um, with them and each egg picked up, we would get seven eggs, which I always thought was really strange that we all had number. Mm. Each time, only one egg would make it for transfer. So, you know, you have those people who say, you only need one egg and you do we know that but it's still devastating to only have that one chance per, per full cycle yeah on two isn't it mm-hmm. like each cycle is months long yeah um so to only get one you know transferable embryo out of a cycle that long um it's pretty hard because i think people from the outside looking in think that it's you get to try every month yeah yeah, yeah it's that cycle of hope all yeah. over again yeah um yeah so then we moved into our fourth and final IVF cycle um after three unsuccessful ones and we were told to do the PTD testing which cost us pretty twenty thousand dollars yeah a lot for one single um thankfully we had been gifted money from a family member for that so otherwise yeah um we wouldn't have had the opportunity to even try that so um the embryo came back as being to transfer um but it was yeah pretty much our last ditch attempt at this point we knew it would be our last try for quite some time i think the mental anguish had taken its toll on both of us after all that time and um we were also straight out of money so that was it for us but um after that we did um so that was unsuccessful yeah yeah that was unsuccessful completely and um our fertility specialist did a uterine lining scrap i don't know if you guys have heard or had those done 
Yeah, and no one's really talked about it on our podcast. So um, do you mind just maybe walking us through what happened and, and what it is and why people get yeah, it? Yeah, so um, my understanding from our fertility specialist was it's really protect for the natural killer cells. Um, but he did also mention that it is a good attempt for an embryo to embed in your uterine lining. Yeah, he suggested it was almost mm-hmm. anecdotally helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Possibly yeah. hadn't been proven that some people thought it would be, um, be helpful. So it's mm-hmm. a procedure that you have done while you're awake. Um, can I get a little bit graphic with the explanation? If, yeah, go if for you it. imagine, it's graphic in a quirky way. If you imagine like a straw falling into some jelly, uh-huh. that's kind of what they do. Like if you want to make a jelly worm, it's just like totally <laughs> <different>. <laughs> um, they kind of scoop up part of your uterus lining to test it and it's like a worm, which is pretty cool. But it is, mm-hmm. and it's not a pleasant experience. It's not as fun as using a jelly worm. Thankfully, the natural killer cell test came back clear. And by that stage, our fertility specialist just said, like, I don't know, guys, I really can't give you any answers. And so we just kind of said, okay, well, let's have a break. Mm. Um, Started looking at holidays. Started looking at holidays. And a few weeks later, after picking up our itinerary for our trip, my period was late, which was like, you should totally buy a pregnancy test. And I was like, shut up. There's no way. And I didn't want to like I didn't want to waste the money on the pregnancy test because I felt like we had just wasted so much money elsewhere. And so he bought a test and I did it. And I just remember like maniacally laughing when I saw two lines because I was just like, what the fucking joke? Like you've got to be kidding me. So when we let out the thought of just no, he attributed like the positive result to remaining meds in my system and the uterine lining scratch. And thankfully, um, even though we had those losses um, previously, we carried Henley to full term. And yeah, now she's four years old. Had a few little scares through pregnancy, a few, few bleeds. And yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's out here. She's great. She's a little little miracle baby. So she's, if people ask if she's an IVF, it's kind of, you know, the short the short answer is no. Um, it depends. <laughs> yeah. But. The next part of the story sort of explains what was actually going on, I guess. We didn't know at that time. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, you guys would agree, like, I think anyone who's been through fertility uh, treatment, whatever it is, but also loss, um, you know that the joy is also accompanied by excessive anxiety. Yeah. Whether you've had a loss or not, like, that is just – and it's something that some people just don't understand. I personally was like really closed off about talking about being pregnant and still am this time around. I don't like to attach mm-hmm. emotion to a pregnancy. It's like a protection thing. So I don't, you know, something happens and I don't know, you know, you feel like it's probably going to be a bit less devastating for you. However, it wouldn't be. And um, yeah, we wanted babies closer together than what we've ended up having. But uh, when I had Henley, our breastfeeding journey ended up being a very long one and it was a great journey that was between, I think, like as of, us as a family was positive. And um, 
I didn't want to give up on breastfeeding just to head back into fertility treatment. I just want to clarify, I was there, but I wasn't breastfeeding. <laughs> 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 the other reason that I, it took so long, like, you know, you helped me. But um, in late 2018, I actually fell pregnant naturally and um, was super surprised and elated, but sadly um, we lost that baby as well. And the OB that we'd actually picked to deliver that baby happened to be an endometriosis specialist. So he finally nailed what our issue had been all along. I had endometriosis and adenomyosis, um, which he said turns out affects egg quality, egg count, the ability to fall pregnant, the ability to carry, and we were just like, oh, my gosh, tick, tick, tick. It was everything that we had experienced. And he basically, he worked that out just from a few pointed questions Yeah. in, in like a five-minute yeah. conversation. Within, yeah. within two months of being under his direction, we had nailed everything that had taken us like three years previously. Yeah, and, and he was just, I remember him being like really shocked that the original specialist, who was a colleague of his that he knew him quite well, um, hadn't investigated this further or hadn't seen what was right in front of him, but he just sort of, gone straight on through you know treatment rather than diagnosis yeah well i had a laparoscopy done under this specialist and he found um adeno and deep endo cleared it out and then put us onto a protocol of zolodex injections for me um monthly and i did five months of zolodex so that puts you into like a temporary state of menopause almost like a reset button for your body and to kickstart mm-hmm. the fertility, he put us on Coimid, and that was going to be six months. And, um, yeah, by August last year, I was so done. I was just like, I can't. My, I want my body back. You guys would know what that's like. It's like you want control of how you feel, what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, well, anyway, I felt pregnant on our final cycle of Coimid that we were going to do. And um, we're now, yeah, two weeks away. From delivering our second rainbow baby so pretty exciting and um, we're just so glad that we found that second fertility specialist yeah that's crazy that that happened I'm, I'm quite surprised that the first fertility specialist didn't investigate more considering he would have known all of that information i'm assuming yeah. or you know would have, would have had access to that information by simply asking you so yeah. and endometriosis is such a such a well-known condition like you you know you quite in the media mm-hmm. it's it's not uh it's not unknown it's um yeah it's crazy that someone in that field wouldn't wouldn't see that mm-hmm. yeah i think well congratulations no, no, sorry go <laughs> i was just gonna say congratulations on your pregnancy as well yeah. so yeah um, you go tiff no, i was just gonna <laughs> say like we've had a few people now that have been diagnosed with endo with minimal symptoms like did you have any symptoms of either before you were diagnosed other than the fertility issues yeah look I would definitely say I've mentioned it to doctors in the past even prior to our first fertility specialist um and that was always met with a no 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 that's just normal so symptoms for me would have been just every time I had a period just really really bad pain really heavy quite prolonged um but when I read other people's symptoms I really feel very lucky that um I haven't experienced what some people do the debilitating side effects of it all so yeah I'm very lucky 
um, that I haven't had to kind of deal with so much of it. But at the same time, also pretty angry that it wasn't diagnosed earlier. Mm. But, um, yeah, look, we are where we are now and we wouldn't change it. Have you got any other people on the podcast who have had um, ADMO? Is that a... I think it's once been mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think she talked about it. She had her diagnosis quite early on, didn't she? Like when she was yeah. 20 or yeah. something. I think there was yeah, so. endo and that as well maybe and adenine and myosis i can never <laughs> say that, so that word ever yeah <laughs> actually said to me with henley like keep an eye on her as soon as she's a teenager because she will no doubt have it and it's really great to have that heads up almost because it means that it will be something that we'll investigate for her you know um because obviously we'd only ever mm-hmm. had Henley, we probably wouldn't be looking out for something like that because I wouldn't even know that I had it. But Yeah. Yeah. And do they so do they think it's genetic? So does that mean sort of it's been passed down from like maybe your your side of the family or something I actually like that? don't know the answer to that he, I don't remember him mentioning that to me, but no one in my family that I know of um has it that or been yeah mm-hmm. been diagnosed with it. So Yeah. Um, so as a couple, throughout, you know, your four rounds of IVF and all of this fertility treatment, how did you guys cope together and how did it impact your relationship? Um, it was a struggle at times, I think, but I think generally speaking, looking looking back on it, the whole thing made us stronger as a couple. Uh, we <laughs> sort of grew away from a few friends who... It wasn't that they weren't supportive, it was just that um, situations arose that made it a little bit awkward. I think um, if people don't know, yeah, I don't know, if people don't know the depth of what you're going through, it's hard for them to deal with too. But I know with us, we, um, I'm so grateful that I had you to go through it with because you're so strong and positive, whereas I'm the opposite. <laughs> 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 like the worst case scenario doom and gloom gets a bit sad kind of gal so maybe um that works well down the opposite but you know we um we made sure that we had time together thankfully Mitch had a job where we had a lot of time together as well but you know if we had a transfer we'd go to the movies we'd go out to dinner we'd kind of just try and relax if we weren't doing important fertility stuff yeah yeah it was um I think both our families were pretty supportive it was just they were a little bit, um, a bit awkward, I guess. You, you, just the majority of people just don't know what to say, or that they sort of stumble over their words a bit, you know. Um, yeah, but as long as you know they're there for you, I guess that's that's helpful. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think our relationship, though, yeah, definitely made it definitely made it better. And I think not just our relationship with ourselves, but um, I really think. Not to belittle anyone who hasn't gone through a fertility struggle, but I think having such a hard time having children makes you really appreciate them when they do get here. Mm. Uh, it makes you mm-hmm. more of a compassionate um, parent. I think it. I think it does. You know. Exactly. I think that comes with it. You know, you you really are grateful every day, and I think you know, especially for us, we're we're always just so in awe of Henley. We're you know, aren't we? Like. Yeah, I would obsessed with it. Yeah, it's unhealthy. 
Yeah, she, she, she's like kind of into it though. She's like, I'm never moving out. I'm like, this is- <laughs> I think um, just going back to what you were saying, Mitch, you know, after going through fertility treatment and and the like to conceive your children, you have a longer lead up to the process of falling pregnant and then having the baby. So you have more time and, and because you're so focused on having a child, you have those discussions before, you know, a lot of people tend to probably have them when they're pregnant or when they've had the baby rather than like we get to talk about it beforehand, you know, and we have all those hard conversations before we get to the point of having a child, you know. So and I, we've said this before on the podcast, but, you know, like you have to decide what happens to your embryos if one of you passes away, you know, like that's an intense conversation to have and things like that. So I think we're a different breed in that sense because we're forced to sort of think about the ways we want to parent and and because we're we're longing for it so much we've got all that time yeah. to think about it i agree yeah it might just be um you know maybe i'm trying to find a silver lining a little bit but yeah no i just think it makes you um yeah, for sure aware as a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100 um so do you guys have any like worst advice or any comments that you've received um while going through your treatment and what advice would you offer for friends and family to support someone they know going through IVF? I think, um, I mean, I've got a very long list of stupid shit that's been said to me over the years. And um, initially it used to make me really, really angry. And by the end of it all, I just realised that people were trying to say the right thing, but they just didn't know how. Um, So I guess my advice to people would be if you are, if you know someone or even if you're meeting them for the first time and they happen, you happen to know something about their fertility journey. um, I guess just don't think about what you're saying and just listen more than anything. Like some of the stuff that's been said to me over the years is just so beyond ridiculous. It's you just have to reason the fact that they really just have no clue how hard it is and how hurtful something so simple can be, you know, like, We've had people say to us, I'll have a baby for you. Now, I've had three people say that to me over the years and the thing that offends me the most about that is, A, I want to have a baby, like I want to experience carrying a child. Uh, B, don't rub in my face that it's so easy for you to get pregnant and you'll just carry it for me and it's just this big fucking easy thing. And like, see, don't be so dismissive of the journey that we've already taken, you know, like, to get to that point. But, yeah, like, stuff like, why don't you adopt? Well, yeah, of course. Like, we talked about we talked about adoption. We talked about foster. Like, we've – you could ask us anything. We've talked about it, you know. Um, have you ever been given bad advice or – Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, some pretty bad from, you know, like, other dudes, guys at work. Oh, are that. you doing it right? Was are you doing you it said? right? Yeah. Are you putting it in the right hole? You need me to do it for you? <laughs> like, some pretty fruit. Um, yeah, just just super helpful. Um, thanks, mate. But um, I, I guess um, one thing that I remember us getting a lot of after we were married for a few years, even before we started trying, was just people constantly asking, like, when are you going to have children? Yeah as if it's really unnatural to be married for any period of time and not immediately be pregnant. Yeah. But 
And it's mm-hmm. this is a really insensitive question. Hey? It is. You don't know what people are dealing with or struggling with. They might not want children. They might not be able to have children. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that was a big, big learning process for me. I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. Though Terry is. If yeah, if you, even if you don't know someone's going through fertility, don't ask them if they're having children because it, their decision to not have children might upset them as well. Even if they can, but they don't want to, they don't want to broach that subject with people because then it asks it begs the question, but why don't you want to have children? And that's their own opinion. But um, yeah, I guess just just shut up, maybe people. <laughs> <laughs> is my best advice and if you have to say something just say i'm here to talk to you if you need it yeah, yeah. I get the majority of things people say are just those little throwaway comments that you know um like you, you wouldn't get pregnant on a cycle the cycle would fail and someone would just say oh well you'll get their love or you know, next yeah. month or you can try again or you know it's yeah, it's, it's setting good spirit yeah. but it's just not Really yeah. yeah there's not much you can say no you know, there really isn't it's just an awkward situation all around here yeah. mm-hmm. or the old um it's just not meant to be oh. comment really gets me yeah it's like okay well how about i just punch yeah. you in the face and that's meant to be <laughs> yeah, that's something we have seen. we never had that directly delivered we did hear about um that comment being made but you know someone quite religious sort of thought that oh, perhaps yeah. it wasn't God's plan for yeah. you to be parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That's a whole new level. I um actually had somebody say to me this last time we were going through fertility treatment, um, why are you bothering to do it a second time? Like, aren't you happy just with one? And this person had quite yeah. a few children and I was like, well, what if I was to say, why are you bothering to have a second one? well why why would you say that well, why would you say that to me you know like there's no difference in how you get there it's that you want to get there and have another child you know so yeah just really bizarre things people say it always blew my mind I, th- I think it's really the point you know of people with who go through fertility treatment you know why aren't you just happy with one baby or why don't you just adopt it sort of just it highlights you know that I think those comments sort of highlight people's ignorance and um, lack of education also around fertility treatment, but also around the fact that it's actually your choice to decide how many children you want to bring into your family and how. And adoption isn't just left for fertile, infertile people. It's for people who want to adopt. It's just not, you know, people who can't have children. So that always gets me every single time. It's like, okay, maybe I don't want to adopt, you know, maybe yeah, that's not for absolutely. me, you know. Absolutely. Mm. And even if it was something that we wanted to pursue, like mm. I remember looking into it, um, you know, in Australia, the adoption laws and the costs and the timeframes involved are incredible. Like mm-hmm. it's just prohibitive. Um, yeah. And I remember one condition that kind of ruled out for us was that in order to begin the adoption process, you have to be not trying to have children. Um, period of time mm. as well yeah and we didn't want to mutually focus on adoption we, did, we didn't we weren't ready to completely give up on having our own kids i guess is what we sort of yeah felt, you know so yeah. Yep. i think maybe eventually it might have been an option yeah definitely well, yeah. i was looking at international you know special needs adoption anything that would you know we just we i think we had got to the point where we wanted to help 
someone who needed a home as well because we did think it wasn't going to happen for us so yeah mm-hmm. I think literally everyone who's gone through fertility treatment has looked at adoption of some sort and you know has realized how hard and also how expensive it is it's really costly and not that that should be a deterrent or anything but I mean some people don't have the funds to do that either it's actually cheaper to go through another round of IVF or fertility treatment rather than adopt so yeah the advice page like what sort of advice would you give yourself at the start of your journey now that you're at this point um yeah like honestly when I look back at how we handled the situation and how the situation was handled I wish I could go back and kind of slap us in the face and tell us to wake up a little bit and you know this was us starting out with somebody who was one of the most trusted fertility specialists and you know such a lovely man um I just wish that we had taken a little bit more of the controls and said no hang on a minute like let's do this let's do that so I guess like explore every avenue be your own advocate if you think there's something that's been unexplored then you know press for it and if you're not getting it go somewhere else which I know can be painful because we did look at going to other fertility specialists um when I was feeding because I wanted to find a fertility specialist who would do fertility treatment um you know alongside breastfeeding and just even like getting all your medical records transferred over having to do the testing again because they do make you do certain things again that's a lot to take on again especially when you've got a little one um so yeah getting it done like right the first time (laughs) would definitely make a difference but um yeah get second opinions get third opinions if you're not happy and don't just sit and trust somebody if it's not working keep going and yeah I like enjoy your life during the journey which is hard to do at times but like you can't stop living I don't know how many times we said we're on holidays or we can't do that because we've got a cycle or what if you know what if we've got to do a transfer we might be pregnant we might yeah be, we might have a baby you really can't <laughs> it was yeah. all these mites but you know we did end up getting out and doing stuff together and going on holidays in the meantime and just having to push it to the side and like you just got to keep living while you're doing it otherwise it really does consume you and I think that's where I I feel guilty it consumed me a lot and I became very bitter at times which wouldn't have been nice to be around (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah that's I guess advice any advice for guys uh no just be supportive it's it's uh the guys part of the journey is much much easier obviously we shoulder a lot less of the burden um but uh yeah, just support your other half and do what you can and um, help them through it and just um, just try and show a bit of empathy. But, um, yeah, I think what you said about just investigate the root cause of what's going on, that's that's the most important thing from our story. I mean, we basically tried for years at a cost of tens of thousands of dollars that could have been avoided. Not that we'd change the way things ended up because we've got, we've got our girl, but... Um, Things could have been so much easier had we just investigated what was going on beforehand. Yeah. Um, had we found the doctor that we're with now, um, it would have been a lot, a lot easier. I think even going back pre that, if you go to a GP and you get the answer that I did, or you know you're a guy and you get like you don't get any help, go somewhere else. Like if you don't want to go to a fertility specialist straight up, 
just keep trying GPs because there are GPs out there who will help you. Um, and I've heard lots of stories since our story. That makes me think, wow, there are good GPs out there who will dig a little deeper for you and do a little bit more. So, yeah, that would be, you know, again, even pre-fertility journey, just keep on digging with a GP until you find one that'll listen. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing too is to learn to advocate for yourself, which is really hard sometimes when it's sort of not ingrained in us too, particularly women. Um, at certain times, you know, to speak up and say, no, like I need you to listen to me and be taken seriously, I suppose. So, yeah. Um, Mitch, is there anything just sort of from your perspective um, that, you know, you did in particular to support Bonnie through um, the fertility treatment that maybe, you know, the uh, the partner of someone else, another couple could adopt um, is there anything that you sort of did to help her through all of that treatment? Oh, I can't really think of anything in particular. Um, I think just um, just listening and an occasional just a cuddle at a good time is pretty pretty beneficial. Um, I don't know. So I didn't. There was no no grand gesture or anything, was there? No, I think it is just who you are as a person, and I'm incredibly grateful and lucky to have you because. I know there are a lot of people out there who maybe don't have the support that I did with you, um, but you are just kind and caring and, but, you know, and you, you are a good listener. And like I said, you're, you're the positive, you know, it'll be okay. We'll try again. And, you know, even if I could tell you were hurting, you would say the right thing. Mm. And I think that's probably important to one person out of the relationship is suffering more than the other if you could just step up a wee bit you know to um sorry about that big um step up and yeah be the more positive person in the relationship even if it hurts you to pretend maybe you know does that make sense yeah 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 i I don't think you give yourself enough credit though either you're you're very strong for the whole thing watching you do some of those um injections man those things are big like the old galliotran Oh yeah, you can actually see the slant on the needle tip. Like it's that's a dagger. It's a it's like a sword. Yeah, and you're always on night shift. I think when I had to do those, and I'd have to call my mum for like (laughs) you know to cheer me on to do it. But yeah, it's um yeah. I just think you've really got to be a team. Um, if you can be there for each other as much as possible, you know, if you can. And it's hard. I, I work for myself. So like going to appointments and stuff, I'd say to me, it's like, I don't know how people who are employed by, you know, a bigger company could do this, especially on the fly without telling them. I would just schedule my appointments so that I could always be there. And Mitch was always on night shift. So he was always with me. But if you can be there for the other person as much as possible, you know, with time off work, it definitely makes a difference to the journey and it makes it feel like it's more of a team effort. Mm-hmm. I think that's important is to sort of not let it divide and conquer you rather rather you guys sort of conquer the problem yeah. together so yeah Tiff is there anything else you'd like to add I think or ask all of my questions do you guys have anything else you wanted cool. to touch on um I guess just the, the the kind of situation we find ourselves in now looking forward um which is sort of interesting because um, Bonnie mentioned the two treatments that she underwent for the adeno and the 
endometriosis. Um, sort of asking ourselves now, like, you know, once this uh, baby number two comes here, what's in the future? Do we try again for number three if, if we choose to down the track or do we, you know, pull up stumps? But the two treatments that she had, they, they basically have a, a time limit. Is that right? Mm, like yeah. They will need to be repeated if we need to keep trying again. If they're not repeated, if she doesn't have another laparoscopy and another cycle of that really yeah, intense yeah. medication, um, we're kind of signing ourselves up for, you know, a host of other miscarriages because that's, that's the most likely outcome. Um, so, yeah, it's a really interesting sort of situation now where we're not sure whether to to look at you know pursuing that again down the track mm. or otherwise um we have to avoid trying again to avoid miscarriages so it's yeah it's, um, it's almost like an all or nothing kind of approach we can't just be casual and see what happens we have to either go all in or yeah not at all yeah so like my at the moment would be once we have this baby go on birth control which i don't ever want to do again in my life Mm-hmm. Amen. Mitch yep. gets the sniff, which again, like that's too serious for us right now. Um, or you know, again, do I sacrifice my feeding journey with our second baby to look at having another? Um, because I guess the best way to describe like endo in particular, adeno can only be removed by removing by a hysterectomy. So endo is the problem, really. But like, I guess it's like a dripping tap, and if you put the plug back into the sink it's going to fill back up whereas that I had done Mm -hmm. is like you pull the plug everything kind of like removes itself and you kind of start clean and so that's what we're worried about is yeah which way we kind of handle that and try not to fall pregnant in the meantime so that we go through another miscarriage so that's um been the debate of late Mm, tough decision yeah yeah that's a bit of a pickle hey yeah it'd be great to just um you know, see what happened, not try, not avoid getting pregnant and, you know, just see see what happens in the future. But, yeah, we can't really do that. We've got to go extreme, one, one extreme or the other. Mm. Yeah. All right, guys, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story, we will pop the link in the show notes. Be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes, it lands straight into your listen now. If you could also leave us a review for the show, that would be so appreciated. No words are needed, just stars. If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Volodka Lushenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.